All right, welcome back to another episode of our Leap Into Wellness podcast. My name is Kyle Pfaffenbach. I'm your host. Um, I'm a professor of nutrition at EOU, and I'm, I'm joined by my co-host, Anya Schooler, who is the Human Performance Lab, or what we call the Leap Lab intern. We're also joined uh, by our special guest, Laura Insko, who's a student at EOU and here for a couple weeks helping out with some data collection and teacher testing. And this podcast is part of a series and part of an effort to have a positive impact on the health and wellness of teachers and staff at LeGrand School District. And we are uh, talking this week again about sleep. That's what we talked about last week. And we're continuing that conversation. And I'm going to hand it over to Anya and Laura. Uh, I'll probably end up being the one that talks the most anyways, so, but uh, let's get everyone involved. Uh, let's get everyone involved right away. So last week we talked a lot about circadian rhythm. Hey, wait a second. No thanks, Kyle. Okay. Come well. on, I threw it to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I threw it to you. I set you up. Thanks, Kyle. Happy to be here. No, uh, <laughs> what a- this is this is the best part of being a professor is you get to give the students a hard hey, time. She's a woman on a mission. She she has things right, to talk right, about, right, Kyle. Right, we got things to do. <laughs> Teachers are busy. We're trying to all keep right, this. Right, we got things to do. Okay, keep it going. <laughs> um, so we talked about circadian rhythm last week, and this week we want to talk about some more practical strategies relating to sleep hygiene. And sleep hygiene is simply a set of practices that you can use to optimize your sleep. So it's good habits surrounding sleep, basically. Why do you think they use the term hygiene? (laughs) Do you want the etymology? What I want is why they don't call this sleep habits. They call it sleep hygiene. What I think is that it's because it relates more to health and caring for your body. It's not just like, it's not just like a mental habit or a behavior. It is more in the vein of brushing your teeth. 100%. Taking care of your 100%. physical body. So that's why I think they use the word hygiene instead of just the word habits. So it's, it's part of, you know, hygiene, I think it's construed sometimes in, in, as a word re- related to cleanliness. And it's, it's not in that sense. It's, it's taking care of yourself and it's doing the things you have to do every day. So you shower, you brush your teeth, and you get good sleep hygiene. So I know that both Laura and I have a lot of questions about sleep hygiene. I think a lot of people have questions about sleep hygiene, but I want to throw it over to Laura and have her introduce her first question. Yeah, thanks, Anya. Um, my, my first question would just be, what are the basic components of a healthy sleep environment? So this is really important because how, how we approach sleep and the environment which we try and get sleep can impact the quality of the sleep. It's, it's not necessarily just hours in bed. So there's a couple major things. So I know Anya's been doing a lot of research in this area. What are some of the major things? Just in, in terms of if you can, what are some of the major things from an environmental standpoint you want to control that will help you get good sleep? Something that I thought was really interesting about the place you sleep specifically, your bed or wherever you sleep should be associated with sleep. So I think one good sleep hygiene tip that has helped me a lot is if you're trying to go to sleep and you're not sleepy, don't stay in bed because you want to associate that area and that environment with sleep. 
So you want to get up, do something that's not stimulating, that's kind of boring, until you feel sleepy, and then come back and lay down and try again. I think that that's a really good tip for creating a good environment for sleep. Yeah, and this can be one of those things that is like so frustrating because like you want to go to sleep and you know you have to get up early. And a lot of times it's when you have to get up early and you're stressed about that, that is preventing the melatonin and other hormones that are related to sleep that, that we talked about last week your body's on high alert because it's it thinks it's threatened in some way it's terrible and so finding and and everybody's experienced this and so to to go along with Anya's point is that when you do get up and and she said you know engage in non-stimulatory activity one of the best things you can do under these circumstances is your mindfulness exercises so breathing exercises relaxation techniques there's a ton of apps that will do guided meditations for sleep. The other thing you can do maybe before you before you jump out of bed, I think there's a fine line between like um, saying, okay, I haven't fallen asleep yet. I'm going to get up and, and I'm going to do a few things to try and fall asleep. In the studies I was reading, most of them were saying about 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes. Yes, I think this is great. Yeah, if, that's a great point to add on there. If you try, if you're trying to fall asleep and you're just laying awake, you don't feel sleepy for 20 or 30 minutes, that would be a good time to get up. I love to journal. That's what I like. I actually did it last night. I couldn't fall asleep. I wrote for like an hour. Nervous about these podcasts. (laughs) Uh, So, so yeah, so this is a really good point because you, and in a lot of the sleep meditations that you can find. So if you go on, for example, the UCLA mindfulness research center, they have, they, they have some sleep meditations that you can download. And a lot of times what these are are body scans. So you start at the top of your head and, and in a you know, non-judgmental, mindful way, you just sort of think about this is the way my head feels, this is the way my face feels, this is the way my... And usually by the time you get to your toes, you're pretty ready to fall asleep. That's so funny because I was going to mention that my technique when I can't sleep is a shavasana for yoga. And that's, you know, a supine laying down with your palms up and then you do a body scan. scan. And I love that because you can do it in your bed or you can do it out of your bed. So if you're really feeling like you need to leave your sleeping environment to relax or if you're like on the verge, you can do it while you're still in bed and it helps you uh, or it helps me at least. That's really In, In terms of the research that you did... Uh, Anya, what, what, what was like one of the real key things to the environment for being able to fall asleep? Environmental things. She's looking at me blankly. What would you think, it, either of you? Things that come to mind are light and noise for me. Okay. Anything else? Temperature. Temperature. Okay. <laughs> so temperature is super, super important when it comes to this. So we... we Studies suggest that about 67 to 68 degrees Fahrenheit is the ideal temperature to sleep. So the other thing that's really interesting in regards to temperature is that we cannot fall, uh, humans cannot fall asleep until our core temperature decreases a little bit. So what what's one of the, I'll, I'll throw it back to you guys, what's one of the things that prevents people from falling asleep? It's It's a physical feeling. I'm not asking this question very well. Does that have to do with like your covers? Okay. What does it have to do with your feet? Yeah. Yeah. 
I've yeah. read about this. Okay. But I can't give very many. It's like a memory that I read about. Like. So, so what's happening to our blood when we have cold feet? Why, why are our feet cold? It's not, you're not getting good circulation. Okay. And so where's that blood? Laura? <laughs> where would that blood be? In your core? Yeah. It's in your core. Okay. Right? And so your core is warm and you can't fall asleep. So we can't fall asleep with cold feet because we're not distributing the, so, so what has to happen is we have to send blood to our feet where the skin is very thin and we can shed heat, our core temperature can drop and we can, um, then we can fall asleep. It's really hard to fall asleep with cold feet. Is this an action item to try to send blood to my yeah. feet? No, so, so you can send blood to your feet. The biofeedback would suggest that you can send you can visualize where blood flow goes and things like that especially when you're relaxing probably has more to do not with your ability to to direct blood flow through like magic mysticism but probably has to do with when we're thinking about these things we're relaxing our parasympathetic nervous system goes up we have some vasodilation and we can allow for this thing to happen that needs to happen the other part of this is you can put socks on your feet to to try and warm your feet up you monster I refuse, I refuse to sleep in socks. <laughs> That's so not a, a sustainable, attainable strategy. If you want to <laughs> fall asleep, uh, yeah, if you want to fall asleep, you could try it wearing socks. But the point is, is that it's important to uh, be able to facilitate that change in core temperature if you want to fall asleep. And an indicator of that is the warmth of our hands and feet, feet particularly. So I know a lot of people like to sleep with like a fan. Is the, is the air movement associated with a comfort or is it just a cooling thing? And also there's like a noise component. How does that, how does white noise influence sleep? I don't know. I, I have not seen the studies. I'm sure they exist. I've just never looked at like what's happening with our brain waves in response to complete silence or in, in, and I'm guessing that there's some individuality with this as well. Some people really like white noise. Some people don't. Some people need earplugs. Some people can sleep through anything. Um, that's probably more just like who that person is than, than what their habits are. We don't want to get too far off topic, but there are some amazing stories of how little of a sound it takes to to wake my wife up after she had kids <laughs> i called it mom dar it would be like if i like i'd be awake and the little monitor would be on and it'd just be like Ern. like <laughs> like a tiny little cry from the baby and she's like up and wide awake and out. and i'd be like how could you possibly hear that the best was when one of our uh, sons was having a hard time sleeping and I was like, oh, you're just worrying about it too much. And, and she went away for the first time for the weekend. And she goes, you know, how'd Gussie sleep? And I'd be like, it was perfect. He didn't wake up a single time throughout the night. Nothing was going on. And, and I had the baby monitor right next to my head turned up full volume that whole weekend. And I just slept through all of his crying. No dadar, only, only momdar. No, it's just momdar. Another element of sleep hygiene that I want to touch on is caffeine consumption. 
people respond to caffeine differently. It's not the sort of thing where you can just have hard and fast rules that are the same for everyone. You have to find out for yourself how caffeine affects you. My question about caffeine was just how does it affect sleep? I know the half-life. Um, a lot of people say that if you drink caffeine at any point during the day, uh, it's going to influence the the quality of your sleep at night. And um, I mean, my dad, he can drink a cup of black coffee at 9 p.m. and be asleep by 10. And me, I, I have to stop drinking coffee by, you know, 10, 10 a.m. Uh, so I'm just curious why that is and, and, and how it influences our sleep quality. Yeah, this is this probably is a combination of things. One, how just genetically like we all have a a different kind of genetic set point to how we respond to caffeine some people respond to a very little bit of caffeine some people need more caffeine Um, and really the most important point when it comes to sleep is how fast you metabolize that caffeine or clear that caffeine and so if you're the type of person that you know you eat a piece of dark chocolate at noon and you can't fall asleep till you know one in the morning you're a slow caffeine metabolizer and that's gonna impact you. And you need to think about that and probably just drink your coffee in the morning and then and then avoid caffeine the rest of the day. There's other people, uh, as Laura alluded to, that can drink caffeine after dinner and, and still fall asleep. You know, caffeine's this interesting thing. The, the other thing about it too is that as we are habitual coffee drinkers, you become less sensitive to, to the, you're not as sensitive to the effect of caffeine. And what I think is really interesting is we can actually reset that sensitivity in a really short amount of time. So it's about seven days to where you're like fully resensitized. Now those are horrible seven days, but if you're a habitual coffee drinker, but at that point you can, and it's not that you'll stop craving it if you abstain from it for seven days, but you'll notice that less caffeine gives you the feeling you want um, if you sort of let your body reset like that. So this is really, again, check in with how your body responds to these types of things. When you have caffeine in the afternoon, if you have kind of a random day where, uh, you know, I don't know, you, you are able to go get a cup of coffee with a friend late in the afternoon and then you can't sleep and you're wondering what's going on that night, this is where that awareness and checking in can really be helpful. And so it's really just about finding how you react and how you sort of, if, if you can still fall asleep. There's, there's one other thing with, with caffeine, and, and we should probably do a whole thing on caffeine. That would be a fun, like a, a fun deep dive because it's really interesting. But uh, most of the association studies, like population studies, epidemiology studies, show a negative correlation between the amount of coffee, black coffee a person drinks and all-cause mortality. And so that is the more coffee a person drinks, um, the less they die is basically <laughs> how to interpret that. That's every teacher's <laughs> dream right there, yeah. right? So, uh, so, so it's what, what gets people is all the stuff they add to the black coffee that, that is really unhealthy. Sugars, creamers, things with sugar alcohols, um, the the empty calories that are in like very fancy coffee drinks and those types of things but just plain black coffee um is is doesn't have a lot of the negative health connotations that people often just immediately associate it with and i think that's really important to put out there Mm -hmm. right something that kyle touched on that i think would be good to point out a little bit 
a really good way to track things that affect your sleep is sleep journaling. Journaling about your sleep is actually one of the best ways to accurately track and measure what affects your sleep. Like there are all sorts of sleep apps that can record the quality of your sleep, but there have been studies on journaling that show that it's a really effective method of identifying what you respond to, what you don't respond to. So if you want to find good sleep hygiene practices, sleep journaling is one of the best things that you can do. Yeah, this is such a good point. And and I think it also, the, the underlying theme with that point is that you can trust yourself to know how you feel. You know, we're often told you should feel this way if you do this, you should feel that way if you do this, or track, you know, wear this ring, wear this watch, do these different types of things. That stuff is really fun and interesting and, and can provide objective measures sometimes, um, especially in like a Western scientific kind of standpoint. But for you all, like how you feel can matter and you can trust yourself to know how you feel. So so the, the thing with sleep journaling is you it's not reflective, it's objective. Like you wake up in the morning and you think about, okay, what time did I get into bed? What time do I think, how long do I think it took me to fall asleep? Did, uh, how many times did I wake up in the middle of the night? And then how do I feel? Right, and what's really helpful about it is it allows you to connect a poor night's sleep to things that might've caused it in a way that you can't do if you don't write it down. 100%, um, yeah. I think that I'll remember things. Like I do something during the day. By the next day, I don't remember what it is. So. We have studies that show that too. People's, <laughs> people's 24-hour diet recall is terrible. Right. If you just ask them, what did you eat the last 24 hours? They're like really bad at, at doing that. Yeah. Um, so we, but, but that's the type of thing that is like a, a lot of those small things that we do throughout the day, they do add up but it's not important for us to remember each one of those things. Our lives would be too cumbersome if we did that. So it's important that we just, we, we can record some of these things, we can reflect on it, we can look at uh, how do I sleep on the weekends? How do I sleep on, how does alcohol affect this? How does staying up late? How did travel affect it? What's it like in the summertime when I'm not in school versus um, you know, during the dog days of winter when I am in school? So this is, this is really important. I think if you can start thinking about um, you, you know, you can see how much better it is to sleep when you put socks on in the wintertime. Uh, <laughs> you can, uh, yeah, so, so sleep journaling is really good. Checking in with yourself is really good. Creating a nice sleep environment that has, we want it to be as dark as possible. Want it to be cool. You can have white noise or not. And then you should fall asleep within 15 to 20 minutes of laying down. There was one other thing I was thinking about with caffeine. Oh. Another interesting way to use caffeine, and, and I'm sure everyone is going to get a good laugh out of this because the thought of taking a nap um, in the middle of the day is probably anathema to, to everyone's, or, or it's just laughable how, how nice that would be. Um, but, you know, if there is time for you to take a nap or those types of things, maybe on the weekend or on certain days when your schedule allows, drinking a cup of coffee before you lay down to take a nap is a really good way to wake up from that nap more refreshed and not sleep too long for your nap. So that's a clever way that you can use caffeine around sleep. It's called a coffee nap, isn't coffee it? Coffee nap, yeah. yeah. And there was actually a couple really nice studies. So in Japan, um, naps are mandatory. 
uh, at a lot of corporations and, and for a lot of jobs throughout the workday. And so like companies and offices and things like that shut down for about an hour in the afternoon because what they see when they look at the metrics is productivity goes absolutely in the tank and it never really recovers. And what they find is that if they give everyone a nap break and, and everyone takes a nap, when they wake up, they're, they're more alert and they're more productive for the rest of the day. In this population, when they drank coffee and then took their nap, they still had the same quality of nap, but they were they did better at memory and mental and cognitive tasks upon waking than people that didn't drink the caffeine. Before we wrap up this episode, um, I remember in exercise physiology, when I took that class with Kyle, he talked about sleep cycles and the 90-minute sleep cycle, and that um, really influenced how I think about sleep. So if you'd be willing to do a little overview about that. Yeah, so, so it's, it's very cool. Like what our brain does and what our brain waves do and what our rhythms are when we're sleeping, it's really interesting. So we know that we basically have periods of light sleep, REM sleep, and deep sleep. And we kind of cycle through those as we're sleeping throughout the night. And everybody knows, you know, if, if you're on a good sleep schedule, or not a good, I shouldn't use the word good. If you're on a regular sleep schedule that works for you, we know that you wake up naturally. And I was just talking to someone about this the other day. They get up at 4.15 every day. And he goes, you wouldn't believe the number of times that I open my eyes at 4.14 and turn my alarm off before it goes off. That's the ideal. Because That's a goal. you've come out of your, you've, you've just come out of your sleep naturally and you're awake at that point. And everybody's experienced when they've been jarred out of sleep, d deep sleep or those types of things and how disoriented it can be. And, and it can really set you up the whole day you can be in a fog just because you woke up during the wrong period of time. So for most people, a full cycle of like deep sleep, REM sleep, light sleep takes about 90 minutes. So you want to think about sleeping in 90 minute periods because when you, when you have to pull yourself out naturally off that level, it, it can sort of screw things up. And so, you know, I, the way I use this practically is say like my alarm set for 6.30, I wake up naturally at six. I, I might not get out of bed right away, but I really try not to fall back asleep because that alarm's gonna go off when I'm not in a place in my sleep where it's gonna set me up for success for that day. So I'd be like, that's really the most practical place that I found where, where that sort of rule applies. But if, you know, if I wake up at 4.45 or five and, and I have to get up at 6.30, I try and go back to sleep as fast as possible. <laughs> right. So thinking about it in 90-minute increments to decide whether you go back to sleep or yeah, not. That's, that's right. cool. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. No, this is... There are about 75% of American adults reported taking something to help them sleep within the past year. There's another just like way above 50% that say sleep is like one of the number one things that they would like to improve and um, have better, again, habits isn't the right word, but hygiene I think is probably the best word, the better hygiene around. And, you know, it, it really, 
one of the biggest take-homes from this conversation, and this will be a theme throughout this podcast, is checking in with yourself because we are literally biologically all different. And uh, finding out, you know, it sucks when your partner or your friend only needs five hours sleep and is always seems to have a ton of energy and you need nine hours of sleep or you're dragging. But if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. And you got to try and find ways to, to um, you know, minimize that sleep debt as much as possible, increase that sleep quality as much as possible. All right. So we have talked about a lot in this episode. Last two episodes. Yeah, yeah that's true. I think the only thing we are going to walk away from this is that you're going to start wearing socks when you sleep. <laughs> that's if I do, I will tell you how it goes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Just just to wrap up, we, you know, from from discussing the uh, radar capabilities of mothers all the way to uh, wearing socks, wearing when you socks. Sleep. Uh, so, so I just want to kind of summarize a few things here. One is that bedtime routine should be consistent. Uh, you should try and avoid uh, screens or blue lights as best as you can for about, I'd say, 30 to 45 minutes before you go to bed. Have some wind down time where you there's there's nothing you can do about what happened you know the day that you're trying to go to sleep and what's going to happen the next day but all both of those things will be better if you have quality sleep so try and wind down a little bit relax um make sure you're in a cool environment make sure you're in a dark environment find out if you like white noise or not and um try and be as consistent with that as possible. And if you're having trouble with that, think about the adjustments that you can make to your schedule. Think about stress reduction techniques and mindfulness, and think about when you're consuming caffeine and other meals. I have to throw one more thing in there, which is that try not to eat sugar um, within about 90 minutes before you go to bed. We can talk about this why later. And putting all those things into action, just remember to uh, write down how you feel. Journal about how it makes you feel and uh, see if you can see any consistencies in, in what gives you better sleep and makes you feel rested. Well said. We have shared a lot of information. Do it all right now. I know. <laughs> no. <laughs> take from it what you will. No. no, this takes, this will take months, years maybe. Um, you, you do a little bit at a time. And uh, the, these things can make a difference, though. Yeah. All right. Do you guys have anything else? You just said we shared too much. Now you're asking us for more? <laughs> do, we, do we know what the topic is for next week? Ooh, good question. We need to hear from, we need to hear from our listeners. And so if you all, um, you all have Anya's email address and my email address from communications from Scott, and uh, whatever you want to hear about, we'll talk about. When we had the nutrition class, people wanted to know about GLP-1 inhibitors, so like um, the new kind of magical weight loss drugs that are out there. So that's a cool, um, that could be a potential topic. I really want to talk about nutrient timing and how we time our meals and, and what our meals consist of, because that, that actually relates to sleep and circadian rhythm. We have... Uh, there's a whole field of science called chrononutrition, which is about the impacts of the timing of when we eat. Um, that time that that ties in with mindfulness and 
when we eat and why we eat, and I think that could be really interesting. So, But let us know what you want to hear. Yes, please do. All right, I think that that is everything that we wanted to cover today about sleep. We'll be back next week with a new topic. Thank you. Sleep well.